You are listening to the Catholic Recon Podcast, testimonies from Catholic reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to leave a review and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon Testimonies from Reverts and Converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Please subscribe. Please share the videos. Please like, comment, etc. This week's guest is Krista Thomas. Krista, welcome to this program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It is an honor. Uh, I want to tell you all that uh, Krista is a Catholic mother and convert to the faith who writes from South Dakota. She is a valued publicist for Tan Books love tan books and a busy academic coach for tan academy she writes on themes that include literature spirituality and homeschooling among other things i'm sure so yep convert yes when was this 10 years ago was this 20 years ago when did this happen and uh, where did it all begin yeah okay great question great question um 28 years ago and uh, I love the I love how God just weaves His divine influence in and out of our lives. And for some of us, you know, we're not that open-minded. And it just happened to be that that time of my life, I was closed-minded, and He turned me right around, and I couldn't be anything but a Catholic. So my story starts back when I met my husband. And um, before we were married and we were dating and I knew that he was Catholic and I had grown up in a really a family that was, I want to say cultural Christians. Okay. I, I was baptized at eight and thank goodness. And uh, we had gone to church school, Bible school, you know, church on Sundays and then, uh, and also the summer camps and so forth. But really, I mean, you know, we didn't really pray at every meal, that kind of thing, but okay. you know, you just kind of had to seek out your own redemption really and it just so happened that I met a bunch of Catholics when I was at college and they seemed normal to me but I just always knew that I didn't want to be one and then when I met my husband and he was Catholic I decided that I would go and seek information from a priest instead of the Methodist church because I figured I needed to go to the source so I just figured that since we we're going to be married I needed to figure out what it was that he believed so I could kind of come up with something that would be unifying for both of us and uh so i secretly was going to rcia and uh yeah every tuesday night i would go so i was just probably going for about three or four weeks and he was like where are you on tuesday nights where are you going you know and uh you know it's that you, you're checking in make sure that the, the girlfriend's at home where they should be blah 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 and um and i just told him i said you know i'm, I'm doing this rca thing i'm not going to go through with it i just need to know what what it is that you believe because yeah. you know we seem like we have very similar values i just i wasn't catechized not really i mean not in the fullness of the truth so uh, he started going every single tuesday with me and it was a huge class we had a huge class and i kept saying every time i'm not going to become catholic i'm just here to inform myself uh, i'm kind of a seeker in that way and i'll tell you um then the rest was history because basically by the time it was two months before coming into the church, I knew. I just knew that weekend I couldn't be anything but Catholic. And wow. I knew that it was the Holy Spirit working within me. And then I just had to face all of those 
Well, if you want to call them demons, because you have to face all those things to give you courage to do what you know in your heart you should do. And you can't explain to anybody else why the Lord touches you in that way to become really to come into the fullness of the truth of the faith. I mean, I, I used to say it's like an onion. Onions have all these different layers. I love onions, right? And then somebody said, well, onions stink. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not the faith. The faith is just, it's just all of these layers um, that you can find. You just find your devotions. The Holy Spirit just kind of weaves them in your life. Like my devotion right now is the Holy Face um, of, of Christ. I love that devotion. And I just, I love the fact that it's going to be maybe something new in another two years for me to really kind of like sink my teeth into. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I was going to say, you said you knew two months before being received into the church that it was right. Was there a specific talk that did that hit something or was just you just was, knew and there was, was just like the culmination yeah. of everything that you learned and like you said the I, holy spirit obviously touched you yeah you know there was a um a weekend retreat and i was exhausted because every tuesday we met i was working full time um and i was i was exhausted and i just i just knew I, I probably was supposed to be at that weekend retreat for all of the folks that were going through RCA to become Catholic. And I just, I couldn't do it. I, I just was so blown out with, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of worries that I had and a lot of planning. We were going to get married in October following that April and just so much stuff going on in my life. And I just knew I couldn't do it. And I think that was the weekend that instead I just said, I, I'm not going to go to the retreat, but I am going to pray about it. And if the Lord wants it to happen, he's going to make it happen. And I'll tell you, when I came into the church, there were two things that are real hiccups for most Protestants. And they were for me. One of them is that, you know, it's, it's the Marian theology. You just yep. you know that she's the blessed mother of God. You know, she's the blessed mother of Jesus Christ. You know that she's holy, but you don't understand that she is your mother in heaven, that she is your advocate she is connect like we're all connected it, it's just really hard to kind of like embrace that sure so i knew that going into it and also the eucharist so i just told the lord before i came in and and i just said lord you're going to have to help me understand that because i cannot do it except with grace and you're going to show me how to do it but i'm i i, I know that you're asking me to do this i'm going to become catholic and you're going to just going to make the rest of it happen. You're going to make, you're going to make those avenues open up so that I can understand in fullness what you mean by your Holy Eucharist and what you mean by loving our blessed mother and what it means to be consecrated to Jesus. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, and that's what he did. He did that over time. I mean, I've got some funny stories that, you know, he just, he just touches me in a way. And I think he touches every human soul because we're uniquely made. And so he's going to find those ways of bringing us to truth if we're just a little bit more open to it. So really an open prayer. I, I mean, I thank God that I do have a Protestant background. I think that there's just so much about our faith that, yeah, I love telling the world about it. I'm yeah. very vocal about my faith. <laughs> oh, so. No, that's great. It. So when you mentioned the, uh, the courage that it takes, Mm -hmm. Was that directly related to what you just said about Mariology and the Eucharist, or was it that and a little bit of the family uh, dynamic, friends dynamic, all that thing, all those things, yeah. 
all of those things. Uh, but most importantly, it didn't scare me to become Catholic. Like I just, I knew I'm like, wow, there's so many myths and so many yeah. uh, wrong, um, wrong teachings about the faith that are not true basically. <laughs> and those get perpetuated out in society. And, um, and I think that I just knew, I knew that I was going to become Catholic, but the big hurdle for me was, you know, feeling like I might disappoint people who were more anti-Catholic in my family, sure. people that I really respect and I love. And yeah. I just, I, I couldn't express enough how happy I was with this decision. And, um, and it wasn't just on my side of the family. I mean, there are, there are definitely other people on my husband's side of the family that I know they were disappointed, you know, um, but you've got to do what you've got to do when the God, when God calls you and you just step out in faith and trust. And I think that for me, it was really one of the happiest days just coming into the church at that Easter vigil. It was beautiful. And I just wish that other people had had really that understanding of what this fullness really is. Um, I'm sure some people thought it was indoctrination, but. <laughs> oh, of, of course, RCIA. I that's what people think but you know what it, it's the, there's no forcing anybody to become anything it, it really is a beautiful way of seeing what it is that the catholic church teaches through and through i mean i remember hearing phrases and words that i didn't even know what they were college graduate you couldn't i couldn't define what free will was yeah and learning like wow yeah that's what that is so philosophically and the theologically speaking i think i already had the truth in me. I really do. And then when you have somebody teach you these terms and what it means and to apply them to your life, I'm like, I was already thinking that. I just didn't have words to it. And I still think that today. I mean, I've got uh, some some of my um, young adults, children have graduated from Christendom College and, and attended Christendom. And my youngest is going to Ave Maria University and they come back, they have had the theology that I didn't have at that age. Sure. And I and I just think um, for me coming into the church and being catechized, even through homeschooling, catechizing myself through that even more and deep going even further. I just think these kids are so much further along in their spiritual development than I was. It's such a beautiful thing to see that happen in your own kids. You that, know? That's wow. That, that is a blessing. I think <laughs> what, you, what you said about RCIA, you know, I think about um, I never went through it because I reverted and I, uh, my, my wife actually is a convert. She went through it, but there was that period of inquiry. Yes. And it's important, I think, for us to talk about that because once again, there's no one, we, we talk about how we could do a better job as Catholics evangelizing and welcoming people and, you know, Hey, come check out the mass. Right. There is no pressure. It is time after time people are telling me they are drawn to it mm -hmm. and they are confused because they mm -hmm. have to shed all these misconceptions and all this weight they a lot of times people have to deal with their past unrelated oh, yeah. to religion because yes. they're realizing dignity of the human they're learning the the genesis of creation in a way that they never that was never uh synthesized the way that the catholic church does it's and that, true. that's what's so beautiful so it's true and i want to say that our rcia um in maryland was uh just kind of a homegrown program but i'm convinced 
that if you want to help children who are about 12 or 13, even before that, I wish that that RCA program, I mean, they do have RCA for children, but they're so exposed to a lot of things that I would say that adult program, you just give it, just give it to these just middle give it schoolers. give it to the kids. Yeah. <laughs> give it to the kids. You know, don't do the spiral stuff. Give them the whole truth, nothing but the truth and only the truth. They know what truth is. It's written on their heart. And I know that's what happened to me as a very naive yeah. um, kind of, you know, cultural Christian. Uh, love the Lord. I've always loved, I've always loved God. I think I've had a gift of faith since I was about three or four. And I, I do actually attribute that to some of the uh, summer, summer camps that my, you know, some of those Bible camps. Bible that, camps. Yeah. Vacation Bible. Vacation Bible school types of yeah. things. You no, know, I really do think that that was just the impetus for me really believing. I really do. And I mean, it, it may have been a Pentecostal one, one week and a Methodist yeah. one, another week, yeah. but um, I think that really did just set the stage. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of people that don't have that gift and you have to pray for it. And I tell people just pray for that gift because to me, there's just nothing else there except that, that one gift is having the gift of faith. No, you're absolutely right. And just by, well, there are a lot of people just by virtue of going to a Bible camp, or you could be going to church for the first 20 years of your life. That does not mean anything. Nope. Clearly, there are right. many people, I mean, the church has seen it hemorrhaging because they say, I don't even know what, like, what is this? Right. But that right. gift of faith is so much, there's so much in that, what you just said, because I remember speaking to, this is one of the first episodes, I believe, it was busy, I believe, busy shore. She said from her earliest times, she remembered that she had this deep faith and she knew, this is so cool. Yes. She knew her creator. Yes. And I agree. that statement was so simple and yet so yeah. monumental. I agree. Yeah. I, I can remember growing up in East Dallas, you know, grew up in this beautiful little, uh, you know, homestead from my grandparents. And I just, they must have been the quiet, faithful people because there were things that just reminded me of the gardens that were there. I mean, I remember singing to God when I was a real little kid, three, four years old, outdoors, just, I knew who my creator was. And I, I just, I'm thankful. I'm very thankful. But the, the other side of that coin is how easy it is to lose the faith. Gosh. I mean, if people don't realize while they're in it, moral relativism, yep. you know, whatever's happening in the culture that, that somebody just, uh, they can lose it. They can lose it very, very quickly. So or, we have to stay close to those sacraments. We do. And again, as a, like a, a naysayer would say, oh yeah, stay close to the indoctrination. And so that's what skepticism, <laughs> skepticism, skepticism uh, points to that. And then you realize when you walk the faith journey yeah and you learn about what suffering you know what a cross is and you learn about redemption despite the cross I mean, there are these realities that start to hit you yeah where the skepticism the all the the negativity surrounding christianity just falls to the wayside because you see i don't know i don't know how to explain it it's so yeah upside down in the most beautiful way it is but unless you've walked in faith there's a ah, there's a great saint quote about that or it was probably saint augustine or maybe you can help me out with this it was basically 
for those that are skeptics, can you fathom stepping out in faith first and then you will see right. the reasons will be there, the enlightenment, yeah. the, um, the clarity will come, but how many of you are willing to say, Lord, I trust, I, right. I mean, I'm this little, I'm this little creature. I trust. And you reach right. out and, and grab his hand basically. Right. So, yeah. Basically we walk this earth and we're fools for Christ. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot that goes with that. I mean, I think of Christ just in his patio, he was fool, a fool for the mission. That's what people thought. And I think, yeah, I want to be there too. How hard is that though? I mean, you know, we want to shirk and run away when, when, when it really comes the minute, down to the it. minute it gets difficult. You're like, uh, oh, yeah. 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 And that's why faith in numbers, we really, we yeah. have to spend ourselves by those people who can really help keep, help us keep the faith, you know, cause keep it is, yeah. I mean, I think about all these young, young people who are just losing their faith right and left and, uh, you know, parents see them losing it. Um, and you know, I think, the, isn't it true that the greatest number of people that fall away from the faith are between I want to say, you know, the high school age, all up to like the early twenties. Yeah. That is not surprising. It's sad. I mean, no matter how you, whatever it demographic it is, it would be sad. And I yeah. think next to, if you were to group people, right. In, de in like in denominations, if of course, Catholicism is not a denomination, but if you had a group of Catholics, you'd have the Protestant group as number three, number two would be those that have left the Catholic faith. I thought I heard that. I could be wrong. Right. But, and even if it's not, the point is it's a massive number of those that yeah. thought they were formed or they are angry about something. They either become Protestant or they just say I'm spiritual or they become oh, like true. atheist. I, there's, there's so many things that can happen. Right. Um, but in those years that you mentioned, there's a lot of people just walking I think just away in general, in general that is a really really tough demographic i mean i think they're they're that is that is the one demographic i think that when i see a lot of friends of mine and their children have left the faith and they're adults now yeah and they've left the faith and it, it is a cause for pain for these parents and they blame themselves and you have to look satan's trying so hard isn't he yeah. So when parents blame themselves, I, I don't think that parents can fully take the, the full blame for it, frankly, because, you know, there is that free will. You hit 17, 18, 19, and you're making those decisions. And those are your and decisions. And obviously, decisions. And, and, and I've said this point, everyone could claim victim at some point and say, oh, it's someone else. Like, I don't care what your childhood was right how great other people think it was or how great it was i mean how bad it was it does not matter you can paint in your head the picture where i didn't really make this choice they 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 right but you realize that sooner or later whether you're 20 or mm -hmm. 40 you realize crap i'm responsible Wow, how novel of an idea is that? I'm responsible for my actions. You know, exactly, that. and I love how you just had said a few minutes ago about when you are in RCIA, and it is very true, you do go through those moments where you really do have to analyze your life and come to grips with all of the decisions that you've made, bad or good or indifferent, 
right? And I think that that's just that coming to Jesus moment. I wish a lot of people would have it, frankly. Yeah, it's, you were also talking about, I guess, relativism and, mm-hmm. oh, that's what I was going to say. You know, what, what, you're already worried. The minute, it's so funny. I was in my early 20s and the minute I, whatever phase that was happens, 20, you get into your late 20s, you're looking at the early 20s, like what the heck is going on with you? Like you forget so quickly how dumb you were in certain circumstances and you're looking right. back at this younger generation. I know. <laughs> like, but what you are know you what? doing? I think that I, and I tell my kids this all the time, uh, especially when you homeschool your kids and you were super close to them all day long. You're not just the mom or the dad or you're, you're the teacher too. Sure. Developmentally, there is something about the, your, your, what is it? The frontal lobe does not quite form rightly until if you're a, if you're a female, I think it's like they say around 23, 24. If you're a male, it's around 26, 27. Boy, do I believe that. I mean, there are things that I see in other people's kids yeah. that I saw myself doing, even my own kids and being like, wow, wake up, yeah. wake up. What you're thinking is not actually truth. Um, <clears throat> so I do really think that there is something there psychologically where that frontal lobe is just not completely formed and connected and it's super crucial. And here we are, what are we doing? We're sending our kids off to colleges at 17, 18, 19 years old. And that, I mean, why aren't they working instead? And then you do college at say maybe 26, 27, 28. I mean, if we really think about human development, what are we doing if we really want to save souls? We would tell people, no, you need to work. You need to you know, contribute back to the family, maybe an internship, maybe trade something. But I, I do think, that, well, and I'm going to put a plug in here for Cardinal Newman Society because they yeah. do a great job showing you which colleges you should oh, stay away from. Ab- if it's absolutely. not on the list, don't send your kid there. And, and that's not to say that you are guaranteed that your children are going to come out, you know, Catholic, but you are surrounded by people in community who are faith-filled well, Catholics. Well, you're going to be formed. Yes. who is going to form yes. it so yes. the idea back to your point again about indoctrination yeah um i just heard someone say that recently that's like they said oh that they were indoct- indoctrinated when they were six or seven and i didn't get into it i i didn't um it was not the right time uh to get into it but my question is always to anyone that says that okay what were you learning who was teaching you Right. As if this is like a monopoly within Christianity. Who is teaching you and what do they affirm the truth to be? If they affirm the truth to change every day, well, that Mm -hmm. is a form of indoctrination. Like, what is it that you are going to listen to? Ultimately, again, who is your authority? Why are they your authority? Exactly. Is someone an authority because you're in a state of rebellion? You know, there are so many questions that we should continue to ask and talk to our children about. Um, And that's what this is so weird about the idea. I don't understand it completely, but the metaverse and everything that I heard about this alternate space, let's say, where you are even further removed Mm -hmm. 
from reality. And that's where you spend your time. And that's where your frontal lobe develops to, to your point. I mean, exactly, exactly. Wow. And, and I personally think that that time of, let's just call it the, the, the time of ignorance, but it's also a time of intelligence. I think even 13, I think Father Spitzer said by the time a child is 13, they've already decided if they're going to be a believer or not, for the most part. And that just tells you that those high school kids, like that, that time in high school is so formative. And you, you put those four years on top of four years of college, you've got eight years where somebody is forming you. Yeah. Now it used to be that it was safer to be formed. Most people were Christian, but I think we're post-Christian now. We are post-Christian, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Yeah, we're post-Christian. So you can't even guarantee that the professors who are going to be teaching you or the teachers in some of these Catholic schools or even Catholic, and they're forming your children. I mean, I, I that's why I, I would just say over and over and over again, what, what would your greatest accomplishment be if you were to take your last breath? What would that be? And so what are those gifts that God gave us? And what do we do? Do we hide them under a bushel? Do we give it to somebody else and they put it under their bushel? Uh, I wow. think about that. Educating our children we, we really just can't take these chances anymore. We can't really trust even, and I'm going to say this, but it's hard to even trust what's happening at CCD these days. Sure. Maybe you're not, you haven't gone down that road. I've gone down that road. I've, 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 out. <laughs> I, I've not. I just know that there are, mm -hmm. you know, um, certain surveys that have been done that reflect belief or unbelief in certain sacraments Yes, that also reflects on certain programs, of course, like there's, yes. there's no but, question know, about that without making a, you know, broad brush. Oh, exactly. Sure, I, don't but, want to, I don't want to paint it that way, because yeah. we have so many wonderful people who are teaching in CCD, they're running Absolutely. the CCD programs. Yeah. And sometimes we just don't know how catechized our teachers and assistants are. We don't know. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's no test to say, oh, hey, take this test and let's see how much you know, <laughs> and we'll decide if we want you or not. I mean, we're desperate for people. Right. And we'll take anybody. And that does. There are some ramifications for that. It's, it's true. Yeah. Um, and I and I will say it depends on the diocese you live in. It depends on uh, who's running the churches. And yeah. wow. Yeah. So uh, there are programs out there that are great that parents can do at home so that they can help teach their children. Um, you know, one of my favorite, favorite resources is actually the Baltimore Catechism, but oh. I like the green one. I like the green one. It's the JP2 green one. The only reason why is because we would play, we would play like a CCC, kind of like Russian roulette, you know, it's like flip it open. Let's see what the Holy Spirit wants us to talk about. Oh, and, <laughs> you know, it might be like, oh, do pets have souls after they die? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this big Socratic discussion with your kids. I mean. It's so great. We, that, we're so blessed in the Catholic community that we yeah. have so many great writers. Um, I mean, and you know that even with the Augustine Institute, there's so many great things online you can buy, you can Absolutely. take classes. I mean, we are so blessed to be Catholic. We just have to want to learn and want to help our children learn. Well, what you said within when you were in RCIA, you were mm -hmm. praying for the grace to understand. You, you felt called through yeah. grace be yeah. clear um and then you asked for more grace so that you could understand and i think that is a prayer like that hit me if this is so weird a few years ago someone wrote a comment on youtube 
and they were like crying out to God. I don't know what they were dealing with, but they said, Lord, give me grace, please. Or something. It was just this really heartfelt comment and it hit me like, whoa, you can pray for, it was, it was sad. I was like, you can pray for grace. Of course you can pray for grace, but everything we're talking about, like I wouldn't be here if I had not asked God, please show me more because this is confusing or I don't, I can only clearly with my human reason, take it to this point, which is like right here, you know, please help me. Right. Um, And so I think everything we're talking about, it's not like you are, I mean, we're special being God's children, but in other words, everyone can ask for the Lord's grace to help them in this next uh, chapter of their lives. And I'm so glad you brought this up because it is a personal thing to ask for help from God. Like it takes humility to do that. Right. But secondly, sorry about that. (laughs) Secondly, there are people that are a firework just went off. Oh, (laughs) I don't know what the heck that was weird. You went like that and this firework went off. Well, it was a moth. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently in this part of South Dakota, there are more moths than there were in Maryland. But anyway, (laughs) we have a very, very green lush backyard this summer. It's unbelievable. But anyway, um, the people that are are literally praying for souls, their prayers are so efficacious. And I think about all the Carmelites. I think about my mother-in-law prayed for all of her adult children to find faith-filled spouses, right? And I know that her prayers were efficacious for me to even come into the church, even though even though, you know, and she would send me little prayer cards or, you know, leave them when she would come over after we were married, she would leave them on the table. And I, I mean, I learned about Our Lady of Guadalupe that I didn't learn about in RCIA. I learned about uh, Lanciano, the, the Eucharist. And I could just, you know, things like that, just leaving little, and I, I wasn't offended. I just thought this yeah. is somebody trying to love me to God, right? And loved her son enough to pray for him to me. And so I can say, yes, I prayed for grace. That was to go forward. But to before that forward ever happened for me to actually cry out to God was up for from other people who were just praying their rosaries. I mean, you know, I'm so grateful to all of those people that and I won't know I kind of think of it I, I'm a, I think a lot in like analogies and I just think grace is like a fountain. So this fountain is just continually pouring out with grace and we can dip into it when we ask for grace. And sometimes it's going to pour on us because other people are praying for that grace for the souls who need it most. And I know that I need, I need those prayers. I mean, I'm not, I'm just a sinner in need of God's grace and redemption. I, I need that, yes. you know? Yeah. And we have to work out it with our salvation with fear and trembling. I I forget what scripture that is, but that constantly keeps me going like, yes, it's not a given. I, if, if I were to pass away today, I want my children to pray for my soul. Yeah. You know, I want that. And, and then if I'm, if I'm really seeing the beatific vision of God in heaven, because I'm not going to take it for granted that I'm not going to be in purgatory forever, you know what I mean? Or until Christ comes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not taking it for granted. Whereas I do think that growing up, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you fall off the bandwagon, that's okay. You know, we're in God's camp. He's going to take care of everything. I, that kind of thinking allows for a lot of sin in life. 
Well, I was going to say, how are, how are you joyful if you don't have a hundred percent assurance? You know, I'm, I'm joking there, but yes, yes, that's what gets put on Catholics. It's like, well, how can you, if you're not hundred percent sure, how can you rest? It's like, we can, this is where hope comes into play. Yes. And this is, a, this is where keeping in step with the Holy spirit to, to the best of our understanding because right. we remain human, you know what I mean? Exactly. His life is in God. us and, and we're being <laughs> sanctified, but the, that does not mean, and I will continue to say this, at no point do you become a robot. Right. And as you learned in RCIA about free will, exactly. you make very real choices for the rest of your life. Exactly, exactly. We've observed it think- since the beginning of time and we will continue to observe that, that people make smart yeah. and dumb decisions their entire lives exactly either towards and, god or away from god you know it's all the time right yeah, all the time all, all the time and maybe do it and that's why thank goodness for the sacrament of reconciliation when i think about all the times that that i have um you know dealing with sin you know venial sins of course and dealing with them time after time after again and constantly going to that sacrament and finding myself you know in the mercy of god What a beautiful thing to find that humility, which you would think is the hardest thing, because it does take humility to be able to walk into a confessional and confess those sins, right? But you're, you know, I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful sacrament. I wouldn't have had that had I not become Catholic. Like at what point would I've learned the litany of humility? At what point would I say, oh, I need to have, I need to think uh, consciously at the end of the day. What did I do right? What did I not do right? And what should I do and improve better? Like, did I help the Lord or did I hurt him today? You know, ultimately, that's it. Am I friends with Christ? Very. You know, I'm so, so grateful. I'm just so grateful. And uh, I I mean, I just could go on and on about the fact that I feel like this whole, my whole life is a prayer. And I think everybody's life is a prayer, whether you're open to seeing it that way or not, but it really is a prayer back to God who gave, who loved us first, really. Yeah. So good. all I can do every day, even in those times where I, I'm not joyful, I'm not going to be a joyful Catholic all the time. Yeah. I'm going to have those hard times where I need to trust in the Lord and ask him for more grace. Um, but in the end, thanks be to God for the gift of faith. And if people don't have it, you have to pray for them to have the gift gift of faith you know those are all of those people who've been praying their rosaries and so forth there's so many souls out there right there our blessed mothers warned us about they're falling into hell so we have to pray our rosaries and and maybe those people will dip into the grace of that fountain that i was talking about you know that we've actually poured ourselves into so that we're we're helping to make that kingdom become realized in people's lives well yeah there's that also that there's that realization that you can as a selfish human kind of hoard and and basically stop your um passion your fire because you feel that the lord was so gracious to you that you're here thanks be to god yeah okay if you were given such a miraculous gift how can we perpetuate it and think of the person that looks the way that you you know that you did five years earlier who's that right now and we talk about this i I talk about this with a, a really good friend on a fairly regular basis like what are we 
doing? How are we going to react when someone is in right. our lives at the coffee shop, wherever it may be? Are we going right. to just kind of internalize, you know, kind of shy away and say, ah, the Catholic faith is so layered. I'm not ready to get into apologetics right now. Or are we just willing to say, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there yeah. and I'm going to trust that God is, is, is going to help me. So that's true too. Um, I remember being in a situation where I, and I'll, and I'll tell you why I think charisms have a lot to do with how we use those gifts Yeah. because some people are not whether I think they have to have that supernatural gift at that moment to step out in faith and say those things that need to be said. Okay, that's a charism the Lord will give at the time. But there have been times when all I could do was just pray the Hail Mary and you would have never known in that conversation that I was praying the Hail Mary Fair. for this person that could have been more efficacious than any word that I may have spoken. But I didn't shy Great away point. from doing nothing. I wasn't, put it this way, empathy is a good thing to have. Great I mean, if, point. If empathetic, um, God is going to give us the charism to do what we're supposed to do. We might be called to pray at that moment. We might be pray, you know, called to say something. Yep. Um, you know, we might be called to actually slap them like St. Nicholas, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean that's Great. a fun moment. No, that's I'm so a glad very you, fun moment. I'm so glad you said that, actually. Um, that it's not going to look the same, obviously, for every mm -hmm. circumstance. And it's certainly when you're dealing with different personalities and it, like, I'm going to force my way into this. That's, yeah. that's not prudent. So, yeah. you know, there's, there are many things to consider. I think yeah. it's just that heart that's saying I'm open. Mm -hmm. And each day that I go out into the world, how, how can I help in some right or way? Because boy, I need help, you know, and, and right. I know other people need help. So I think yeah. that's, that's key. Yeah. Charisms are, are a funny thing because each person is so uniquely made. Right. Um, but tapping into that, uh, I mean, finding out who you are and what you're driven to, and then seeing the Holy spirit work in your life when you recognize like, Oh, that's a talent. That's a talent that I have, and I should not hide that under a bushel. So when the moment happens, you're open to the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Let him do. Let him do it. And I mean, I've definitely had some moments in my my whole life where that's happened. And one of them um, was at a Catholic conference, a homeschool conference. And a woman came in the doors, and she was definitely upset and had some serious situations going on at home. She had nowhere to turn, and she just walked in the doors, and she said, I don't know what to do with my life. I, I, I don't know what to do. And she kind of explained the situation. But at that conference, what was so beautiful is that we had priests that were there that were hearing confession. And I just said, you know, I think there's somebody, and this is something that came out of me. It was the Holy Spirit. And I just knew like, bing, the idea came, we have a priest. So I said, well, I said, are you Catholic? And she said, no, I'm not. She goes, but I do believe in Jesus. And I said, great. I said, why don't we have you talk to someone and they'll help They'll help you figure out what you should do. Would you be okay with that? And she was like, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, this is a woman who was clearly confused. She was crying. She was upset, didn't know what to do. Like she was despairing. And I think about Judas in that last moment, what he was despairing, right? And Satan takes hold of that. And, and that's a very sad, sad thing. So it was the Holy Spirit came over me and I said, well, let's go talk to somebody. There, were, there was a long line for two priests 
in the confessionals. And I just asked them, would you mind if this young lady had a chance to talk to the priest? And everybody saw that she was upset. They all were so filled with love. And I think it was the Holy Spirit pouring the grace out so that, because you know what it's like when, when you're trying to get confession and you get out of your car and then you see other people that are getting yep. out of their car and you try to walk as fast. Maybe yep. you try not to look like you're skipping or you're running because you want to get in line first. Yep. It, 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 that is always to me, like we have to be there first. We want to get it over with and, and beat the other person out to get there in line. This was the moment where you had all these people lined up and could see like their hearts were filled with love and say, oh, absolutely. Person came out of the confessional. She went in, she was in for about 30 to 35 minutes with the priest. And she came out super happy, calm, very thankful. And who knows, this woman could have been under spiritual attack and we didn't know it. We didn't recognize it for what it was. Yeah. But by the grace of God, everybody cooperated with the Holy Spirit for that one soul who was despairing. That's just an example of the Holy Spirit. If we're open to say like, that idea that came didn't come from me. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh, there's a crazy person coming through the door. What, what do we do with that? You know, instead of thinking like a human, you just say, Lord, what do you want with this? And and he just opens the gates and uh, and you're just allowing the Lord to work through. Oh, no, great. You Thank know? you for sharing that. And yeah, your knee jerk reaction. Oh, right. being very transparent. We have those thoughts sometimes. What the all heck? the time? Let's yeah, you know, all the time. They don't look like us. They don't act like us. They, they don't, don't act like us. Like us. Exactly. Right? And yeah. we forget their we forget. dignity. We forget yep. about their dignity all the time because me, yep. me, me first, I got to be first in the confessional line, you know? Yeah. Well, and then you mentioned earlier empathy, you know, if you, for a moment, maybe in retrospect, put yourself in that woman's shoes and you look around, you're just distraught. You look around, how are people looking at you? How would that make you feel? And maybe, right. just maybe, you can understand, wow, um, what God can do when you are open to seeing other people's mm -hmm. drama and trauma and everything in between. Right. It's amazing. It's, it it's really amazing. And we, and we saw that, to be completely honest. I mean, it, when my wife and I were at the, uh, attending a non-denominational church, um, I know a lot of times this channel becomes like, okay, here's why uh, Catholicism is the fullness. And a lot of times we don't talk about Protestantism um, and some of the beautiful things that take place there. So mm -hmm. yes. there was some incredibly transparent moments like that where people were breaking down and you saw a community come around them. And through that love, they are experiencing what they're not going to find anywhere else. True. So it, in those moments, uh, you saw some healing happening. And, and so it was very, very beautiful. You know? It is. Yeah, it is. It really is. And, and thanks be to God for that. Yeah. 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 Thanks be to God for that. Yeah. So is there anything else you would like to mention to the listeners, to the watchers? Is there uh, any, you name it anything else golly. golly you know i think back uh, uh i do i do this i think back to those people who were in my life helping to form me through those bible camps through the sunday school i went with my grandmother every once in a blue moon um all of those people along the way who witnessed 
And I love that word, by the way, I really do. They were witnesses to the love of Christ. And they brought that to me um, outside of my own home, right? And see, my parents, they were, I want to say, they were quiet, faithful Christians. They're going to, they're going to, they, that's a beautiful thing in itself, right? That's, that was their charism. It was quiet. It was beautiful. Not often talked about. Sure. It was understood what the 10 commandments were, or at least I think they thought it was. And, and for me, I was not catechized enough in the 10 commandments to really go like, well, I don't know because of moral relativism. And I certainly don't blame them because, you know, <laughs> I can look back at my own parenting and say, oh, I probably goofed up myself. Like you think you impart a lot but there's only so much that your children, even though they're sponges, that they're going to get. It's, it's lived experience. But I'm really grateful because my parents, my parents were, they're just wonderful parents. Um, but I am grateful for the journey that other people brought to me to help me in my formation. And then it was just RCA. It was just, those are beautiful people who give up their time. They're not paid to be there. They're sharing and witnessing. You have that. You get married and then you know when we came into the homeschool community because that was another one where we were kind of like kicking and screaming and then going oh yeah guess we have no choice and then loved the lifestyle all of those people my mother-in-law my father father-in-law I mean all the books that people gave me from Tan by the way of uh, some of the prayer cards that came from Human Life International like all of these things that just culminated I have a very full heart of of gratefulness. I couldn't be more grateful. And I just think that people should look back and not be so hard on the things that went wrong because there are plenty that we could definitely be critical about, but look at all the things that went right. Like those are the things that we should celebrate and thank God for. Like I'm where I'm at because of all those people who prayed for me, those unsung prayer warriors who I do not know how to thank, um, except for prayers back. Um, and, and to just try to help other people along that journey to love God, even though Times can be tough. There's going to be suffering. My goodness, that's a really tough one for me as a convert. Suffering, I don't get. I don't want to suffer. Yeah. <laughs> but there is suffering. And it doesn't mean that because you're a Christian, you're going to have a good life and everything's okay. That's totally incorrect. Of which I've been told several times that no, if you're a good Christian, then you know things won't things won't go bad for you. That's not that's not true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have to always know that God is on our side. He's, he's rooting for us and we need to do all we can to seek him. And if that means putting down your phone, unless you're listening to the Hello app, but putting down your phone, spending time in prayer. Uh, I mean, I had a priest tell me one time that your thought toward God is a prayer. Wow. Yeah. Your thought, that one simple thought of God is a prayer. Yeah. You're, you're in communion with God when you have one thought of him. If that's all we do, sometimes I'll just go around and go, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, because I don't have anything else to say. It's, it's just having that constant thought of God. Like yeah. that is key. It doesn't mean you're going to be a perfect prayer warrior. I mean, maybe you don't get the rosary in every, every night or every day. That's okay. That's okay. You do what God's calling you to do and do it well. Like that's important. And, and yeah, and what your point about the rosary, you know, if you say it, turn it into an accomplishment, like, oh yeah, of course I did that. Versus, you know, maybe rushing through it because you right. just wanted to get it done. You lose the meaning. Right. Now, 
my six-year-old daughter, she is focused right now every night. She wants to say a decade of the rosary. That's beautiful. That's, that's a beautiful thing. And so she reminds me that when I'm rushing around and I have all these excuses as to why I'm not going to do an entire rosary, you won't get into all of it. But when I can just pause and say, I'm going to concentrate on a decade of the rosary and reflect on the life of Jesus. And it always, anytime I make that decision, it's always the sorrowful mysteries. I'm telling you, it always is a Tuesday or a Friday when I decide I've got to focus yeah. instead of just getting distracted and just going through the motions. But I love that. I, I think that is key. There should be a motion for people that if you aren't getting that rosary in, mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's going to take you 20 to 30 minutes, yeah. depending on how fast. Some people yeah. might be 12 minutes, depending on how fast they are. Like, they're not even breathing while they're saying it. But if we can break it up in the day, break it up five, there's five different decades you could say during the day. Yeah. Like, that would be a beautiful thing, especially if it were really heartfelt and it had a really good intention to it. I think that's better prayed than than what yeah. we often do is got to pray the rosary. I'm in the car. got to get it done before I get to the next place. Cause I do that. I mean, I'm going to, Oh, we've that. all done. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, I want to make Mary happy, but how can I make her happier? Maybe that's the question, how, right? Yeah. What, you know, we've talked about that, uh, the roses, you know, what kind of a rose, if you're going to say one prayer and this, this relates to any prayer and you yeah. think through the words, it's a completely different prayer than just. It's true. And you know what's really interesting? I have been in groups where when people pray the rosary, if I don't say it, but I'm in communion with people, I'm in union with them as they're praying and I say nothing, I can go to that divine intimacy and go really deep in intimate prayer. But then I'm like, well, did I really pray the rosary? Because I was meditating. Yep. I, I mean, I'm in it, you know, it was a God thing. Like that's happened a few times, but then it's like, why aren't you praying the rosary, Krista? Well, I am actually, you just don't know where I am. <laughs> but if, if that's really how it could be, even in a family, like that, that would have been key. I wish I had thought about this 10 years ago. You pray the rosary as a family and one person gets to just go and meditate don't you don't have to say the words because sometimes the words for me i'm a word person yeah i'm a vocal person and sometimes not saying anything but having other people do it and and maybe that's why we have youtube maybe that's why we have the hallow app you let them pray the rosary you're actually praying it you're just praying it in a different way in silence yeah going interiorly into that moment in that in that decade yeah no, absolutely. Oh, it's so beautiful. Twice. So now I have to plug the fact that I run the Amen app. Uh, so don't don't forget oh. to check out the Amen app from Augusta. Oh my gosh, I'm glad you said that. The Amen app. Yes. No, uh, respect, a lot of respect for Hallow. But it's funny when you're like, yeah, meditate. Yeah. And so I'd say absolutely. Love that. Check out okay. You know what? I will do that tonight. I'm going to do the Amen app. Check it out. I am. That's exciting. You told me about that before. What was that? You told me about it before, but when you get to be my age, you kind of forget something. Oh, it's all good. It uh, trust me, it's all good. But yeah, I, it's a free app. And um, the goal is when you say the rosary, that um, it's St. Luke Productions that we partnered with that um, did a kind of a communal group rosary. I love that. There's a set of rosaries uh, called Wisdom of the Saints. So after every 
uh, decade, as you said, decade, I always say decade, but whatever. Um, after each decade, there is a reflection from a different saint on each three. So that has been powerful for getting into that, I guess, as they'd say, the Ignatian spirituality where you love that you put yourself in different, you, you basically view the scene from different viewpoints, vantage. Yes. Yes. And I, and oftentimes when I am praying the rosary and I'm putting myself in that scene, I'm bringing my guardian angel with me. Yeah. I want my guardian angel praying the rosary with me. I actually learned that from Opus Angelorum. Like they, that order, I don't know if you've heard of them, but yeah. they are fantastic. And you can have a consecration to your guardian angel, wow. to the holy angels. And I have learned so much And their spirituality is part Dominican, part Carmelite, part Franciscan, part Ignatian. I mean, it's like the best of it all. Um, and, and so I do that often is bringing my guardian angel into whatever prayer, or even when I'm reading, you know, something spiritual, like right now I'm reading the secret of the Holy face. I think I told you that with father Carney. Oh, I love this devotion. So as I'm praying and I'm like, okay, guardian angel, be with me and show yeah. me what's the most important thing that I'm reading so that I can take a hold of that because you know, we're, we're funny creatures, aren't we? We can't remember everything. We have to write notes down. What did people do when they didn't have a pen and pad? You know, what did people do when they didn't have a phone? Like even before we didn't have phones, it's crazy. Our memory so is much, 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 much better. Think? I do. I think, yeah. I think so. Yeah, so we, I have to help my guardian angel pray for me to have a better memory. And so yeah. what I'm reading is like, help me, help me pray this better. Help me understand this better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do believe convenience in general probably makes us dumber in general. So I think you're right. We're kind of mushy right now. And, well, and we've always said under the guise of, you know, it's for efficiency. It's to make us competitive. And you just think through. No. Um, okay. May, yeah, let's, let's. Let's see. I'm with you. I'm with you 100% on that, right? Yeah. I tell you, technology can be a wonderful thing, but abused. Yeah. Absolutely. Completely uh, abused. Well, yeah. well uh, yeah, I think it has to do with the frontal lobe. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, well, cool. Let me do something different. I'm going to end with a prayer, considering all the people that we, you know, all oh, the okay. that we've talked about and, and all those that, boy, they could sure use prayer. So we'll just do that. We'll end with a prayer in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Heavenly father, thank you for Krista and for her family. And thank you for those that are on YouTube that are seeking truth. Thank you for all, all your sons and daughters that are willing to give up their lives, everything that they understand and open their arms to your grace, to your wisdom, to everything that you ask them to do. And I just pray for discernment for everyone uh, that hears these videos. I pray for their families, their souls, pray for the Catholic faith. We pray for the, the, the Christian faith that there would be more and more people that are willing to step out and discuss misconceptions about the early church, about Catholicism, mm -hmm. about all things that, that you embody and 
all the beautiful sacraments, just pray that more and more people will open their hearts, open their minds. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That was beautiful. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thanks, Krista. God bless you. Uh, you everything, too. Everything that you do and everyone, thank you for watching. And until next time, take care and God bless. Bye. God bless. Thank you.